Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I started out modeling when I was 18. And literally, the only reason why I did it was because I was like, models look like they're confident and I want to be confident. That was it. I didn't want to be a model. I didn't care. Welcome to The Body Protest. In this podcast, we combine storytelling and science to better understand our relationship with our bodies. I'm Honey Ross. And I'm Nadia Craddock. And this is season four. Three, two, two one. one. Hi, I Body protesters. protesters. <gasps> that was actually really good. I don't want to roast my own Yeah, chicken. I kind of stopped halfway through, but I just kept going. But in my ears, it sounded really nice. Um, how are you, my angel Nadia, in this new year we are living in? In this new year that we're living in, I am very well. I'll tell you what, the sun is shining today, so I feel like that's a win. Oh God, it does it, wonders, doesn't true, it? It's a big truly, boost. truly. I'm good. We, like, I, I'm back to work and I left a tornado and I'm now back fully in it. Yeah, um, right in the centre of the tornado, <laughs> spinning around with a wheelie bin. <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's good, it's good. And I'm just thinking about that big picture vision and it's going to be great. It's going to be great, but right now we're all I can think about is that I'm currently in a tornado. But otherwise life is good. But honey, tell me, how are you? How are you doing? Did you have a good break? I did have a good break. I, I mean, like... Did it not feel like the biggest case of the Sunday Scaries going back to life the other day? Like, it's felt like this whole year has been a Sunday. Um, that was my more my feeling of, like, the, the rest was lovely, the holiday was lovely. I think I felt so burnt out and exhausted. I, It feels like a daze. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Of, like, it happened, like, Zoom. Like, I was like, oh, and now we're back. Well, but, do you find that yeah. there's, like, this, like, long... So when you start, you're like, oh, I've got this long stretch of time. And then time... Yes actually speeds up and it's like boom it's gone oh my god it's like fully dilates and you're like oh, like i'm flying through this bitch like what is happening um no it really does it really ramps up towards the end and you're like there's no time left but coming back into the world yesterday i felt like actual shit and cried all day with the rain and was like you know what i'm gonna bundle up and uh watch all of these films that i've been meaning to watch which i know is lucky because most people went back to work yesterday and i was like one more day. <laughs> um, but today it's sunny. I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling a little bit more like a person. I put on jeans. Oh. As, which I know you're a strong believer in. And it did make me feel like I was ready for the day. Mm. I was like, okay, it's a formal trouser. I'm not wearing anything <laughs> with not an elasticated waistband for the last three weeks. So it's good to be in a, a sturdy denim. Shall we get into this? week's episode i think we should i really think we should we should we should so we spoke with the wonderful kenny ethan jones yeah it was such a gorgeous conversation and i know i feel like i say this every time but kenny has been one of our dream guests from day one truly um 
we're such admirers of the advocacy work that he does and just, yeah, big fans of Kenny in general. Fun, random fact, I met Kenny, I did a panel with Kenny in January 2020, like remember those times, Wow. Um, with, and it was alongside season two body protest guest, Stephanie Uboa, and it was at an anti-diet riot club event, which the founder of Anti-Diet Riot Club, of course, is the wonderful Becky Young, who you can listen to on season three of our body protest archive. So everything coming together, just bringing... Oh, that was, you brought that all together beautifully. I'm like, you've just got, you've given the listeners four episodes to go back and listen to if they haven't, because it's like... Stephanie's episode, Becky's episode, Kenny's episode. No, three episodes, what am I talking about? But you know what? Listen to any episode of this oh, yeah, podcast. Yeah, there, there we go. That's something. Hey. <laughs> the mileage we get out of one panel. <laughs> I know. Well, especially like, oh, I remember those days. That, was that anti-diet riot fest? Yes, exactly. Oh. Exactly. And I did life modelling yep. and you were talking on a panel. Oh, that was a big day for the community. That was beautiful. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a beautiful day and uh, a very different time. Um, and we also got to see Kenny at Cheltenham Literary Festival, which we, I think, we referenced in our conversation as well. Well, we really hope you enjoy the episode, and here's Kenny. So, hi everybody. My name is Kenny Ethan Jones. I am a writer slash advocate. Um, things that I tend to talk about mostly periods. Um, love periods. Love chatting about periods. Um, in March of 2018, I made history by being the first trans man to run a period campaign. And since then, I go on to talk about like mental health, intimacy. Um, and anything that's basically trans related, it's just my my advocacy is all around inclusion of trans people um, and those who exist in marginalised identities. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks so much, Kenny. So a question we ask all of our guests on the podcast, more or less anyway, is if you could tell us a little bit about your relationship with your body growing up. God, it sounds like such a small question, oh, but no, it's like huge, the biggest huge. question. <laughs> so th- the things that I tend to remember um, was essentially avoiding mirrors for so many years because I felt such a strong discomfort with how I looked um and also between like the ages of 14 to 18 I don't have any photos of myself because I refuse to be in photos I refuse to like essentially have that moments in my life be recorded because essentially like all of my friends at the time were going through like um they were going through a male puberty and my puberty was going the opposite way and I was like I don't like how I look I'm not happy with this person who I see in the mirror and Honestly, it was probably one of the like hardest times in your life because you don't want to hate yourself. You don't want to hate your body. You're not, you're not born to do that. And so just consistently feeling like disassociated and conflicted. And I remember like going out with my friends and doing things and not feeling anything because I was so sad with essentially the body that I currently existed in. Um, and like, I didn't even have the language to truly explain it. That's how I was feeling as well at the time. Like there wasn't so much language available now around like, gendered uh, dysphoria and things like that that didn't really exist back then and so trying to kind of like explain to my mum and she's asking why am I sad and I'm like I don't know I don't even know how to begin to kind of explain to you I just I just don't feel like this body's mine like this I'm meant to love it but I don't um and yeah I think as well like it became harder for her and it put a strain on our relationship because she wanted her child to be happy and I had no idea how to help her make me happy um and so yeah it was it was really difficult and then as I as I got a bit older I ended up with a I'm not even gonna classify it as a six pack I would say it was a skin pack because like I didn't have much meat on me um and that was the only part of my body that I started to like and I was like okay this is this is nice like girls like boys with six packs right like 
So I started to love that part of my body. And I swear to you, probably throughout those, that age gap that I talked about, that age bracket, you would only see pictures of my six pack. But that was it. Like my Facebook photos, that was it. Um, And so that was kind of the only kind of moment that I felt kind of connected to my body throughout my childhood. And it was only when I started testosterone, um, when I was, I think I was 19 at the time, when I started to kind of like reconnect with my body. Um, And it was very, it was done in a very intentional way. Um, it wasn't just like testosterone started happening, all these changes. I started to try to do specific things um, to feel basically more connected to my body. The first thing was looking in mirrors, mm. just looking like and just standing there. And like, I felt shy. Mm. No one was there, but I felt so shy. And it felt like just weird, like I was doing something wrong because for years I just didn't look at them. Like I remember getting to the point where I was like trying to take down mirrors in my house because I just didn't want them there. My mum didn't really care. So she was just like, do what you're doing. But she kind of realised that that's why I was doing it and just was like, no, this is going back up on the wall. Get over it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was... Well, it no, was it's so vulnerable. Yeah. It's so vulnerable looking at yourself with kindness for the first time after so long of feeling disconnected. And then, you know, it's so interesting you saying you feel shy, like f- feeling shy on your own, but it's so true of like, I think we're so conditioned as a society to not, don't be nice to yourself, don't say nice things to yourself. Mm. That people feel really alien when they're finally like, no, I quite, I quite like what I'm looking at. Like, it's it's okay. It's But it's vulnerable. Yeah. No, it was. It felt so intimate. Like, that felt more intimate than any interaction I've ever had with any person in my life. It just felt like, essentially, like, literally facing yourself in the mirror and being like, it's it's okay. I think it came to a point where I was like, I, I disconnected and was like, this is not okay. And then it came to a point where I was like, it's actually okay how I feel, but this is not how I want to feel for the rest of my life. And so we need to do something about this um, because I can't, I can't live this way. Thanks for sharing, Kenny. I wonder, um, so speaking a bit about your journey, but then also wondering now, how are you feeling in your body now, considering that our body image, our relationship with our bodies changes over time, but how would you say you feel in your body today? I fucking love my body now. (laughs) Brilliant. We love to hear that. Yeah, like... (laughs) I think, you know, being trans, it's, it's more, it's more layered. Um, and so like, I remember having top surgery and top surgery is genuinely the closest I could say I've ever felt to like gender euphoria of being like, I remember coming from Brighton. That's where I had my surgery. I came back to London and like, I had the bandage, right. Still on my scars where I've just had surgery and they're kind of bloody. And I just walked out in the street and was just like, I just want to feel the wind on my chest. Like I have waited so many years for this. Like this is happening. And my mom being like, he's still high on the medication from the doctors. Like, why is he out on the street by himself? And I was like, like no. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, I was like, honestly, like, I felt like I was in the Titanic, like, in the front, just, like, yeah. feeling the wind. Like, it was, uh, I don't know whether it was just the drugs or, like, generally, like, a high, high. I reckon it was a mixture of the two, but um, I, I loved it. And I feel like, yeah, that was kind of that moment that I was like, this is how I can feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, started to spend a lot more time in front of the mirror. I started to get real, like, loads of selfies essentially just like like my my life just kind of changed and um as well I think the thing that I've been dealing with at the moment I think is like love my body now but I'm I've got to that age where like my body is starting to shift weight wise and so there's a bit of struggle there because it's like I'm not as thin as I once was Mm -hmm. if I'm really honest like it's it's something that I'm still kind of working through I'm not as skinny as I once was and accepting that your body is meant to change you know what I mean and like it's meant to take care of you and um yeah, I've been kind of struggling with that. And as well, I think the the weirdest thing that's happened, I think, is that 
now I've started to see my body, not just for what everybody else sees. So like what you see physically, but all my inside bits. So like, for instance, having a womb and how do I feel about having a womb now? Um, and we'll get onto that question a bit later, but like, I don't just see it from a physical aspect anymore. Um, I'm also like, you know, should I, do I want to get my room removed? Because that feels like closer to being Kenny. Um, and is that kind of like the next part of my transition? Um, and how is that, how is that going to make me feel more about my body? And so, yeah, it's just, I just, uh, I don't know. I think as you get older, things get a bit more complicated and layered. And so I'm just like processing, processing all of that. But I still very much love my body today. I'm very, very happy with the skin I exist in. No, but that's a really beautiful and honest answer in such a nuanced way of kind of, you can be in a place where like, I love my body, but the one thing is bodies change forever. And it is that we talk about this a lot of like shifting body image and it's okay on one day to feel like, yeah, well, I love this. And another day is being like, okay, that's different. And I'm coming to terms with that. And that's like, it's human. Like, you know, that's, it's, so yeah, that's a wonderful answer. You're obviously, you know, you're an advocate for so many things. And I think your, everything is so connected. A lot of it is connected to your work around kind of trans identity and body politics. But I think that is kind of the tip of the iceberg. And I would love if you could tell me a bit more about the advocacy you do for mental health and intimacy and why you think it's so vital for these stories to be heard. Um, well, like you said, it's kind of all linked. Like I didn't, I never came, I never wanted to be an advocate, if I'm honest. Um, it came out of necessity. And all of the other topics that I, I speak about come from necessity. Like the talking about mental health came from spending a lot of time on the internet and then one day just feeling really shit and being like, I'm going to write about this because I can imagine that other people possibly feel like this. And then I, I remember the first kind of like big post I ever did on mental health was basically like, I have an emergency state of health list. And it's like things that I do when I'm at a real low. So like I make sure that I have noodles because I don't really tend to like make food for myself when they're simple. Um, I communicate with one friend truly how I'm feeling. Um, I take time just to like listen to my body and how I'm feeling. And it's very like structured. So it's like, I don't have to think about doing things. And so I posted that and the reaction was just like, oh my God, like, why haven't I thought about this? Like, you know, I have low days too. And I just realized like, why, why are we not speaking about this? Especially like as well, men specifically, like don't really tend to talk about mental health. And I'm like, we, we struggle with things too. And it's like, it doesn't help keeping it all in. And I feel so much better when I communicate, even if it's just like ranting or just getting it out. Like I feel so much better for just putting it in the universe and accepting it. Like there's, there's something very therapeutic in that. Um, and so that's why I ended up talking about mental health really it was not, not this big thing that I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> it just ended up happening. And, and the same for intimacy. Like I really struggled with sex when I was younger, again, because of my disconnection with my body. Um, and sex kind of felt like an, an obligation I, within my relationships. I knew it wasn't, but it felt like an obligation in the sense that like I wanted my partner to be pleased. I wanted to be pleased, but there was so much of a disconnect there that I just struggled with it and it felt like a job, felt like a chore. Yeah. And so when I started to realize that, you know, lots of trans men have this same kind of disconnect because you've spent so long disliking your body and now you've got to come into it and, you know, coming into it in your, by yourself is, is hard enough. And then going away with a partner and doing things and like, always in the back of my head was you know how does this person actually feel about me like do they fully accept my trans identity like or are they judging me and like all of those thoughts while you're trying to have sex like it just I felt like my brain was going to explode at times and so 
the conversation around sex and like talking about it was more around like making cis people understand what trans people are kind of like going through because I feel like trans people never explain these things to their partners because it's some people just don't have the language to to be able to explain what they're feeling but I'm lucky enough that I feel like I can and so I was like I'm gonna take on this conversation and I did like a five minute video on Instagram on the fly I was just like I'm gonna try it and see what happens and it was basically me just talking about sex and being like I love my mini penis which is essentially an enlarging clitoris um and everyone being like oh my god I love this I never knew these kind of things like like I, I was saying silly things as well like I was like I liked having my boxes around my ankles in bed with whoever I was sleeping with just because in any given moment if I'm scared I can just pull up my boxes and I feel more safe in that and it might be something that's very like silly but those the trans guys were like oh my god why have I never thought about this <laughs> and so yeah it just it just came from like necessity and just kind of saying what's on my heart and my mind and like all of the kind of things that I've been through and just not not wanting someone to a go through it and even if they are going through it not have the language or the resource to feel seen of their experience because it's just like you feel like you're alone and that makes it so much worse completely and i think the the work you do really helps people feel not alone you know on so many levels just even communicating that it's hard to communicate Mm. sometimes i think is really important you know i think people feel like there's something wrong with them when they struggle to find the right words Mm. and it's like no it's really hard like that's okay (laughs) I I think it's interesting because I think a lot of what you've said has come back to finding the language and finding the words what actually helped you get that kind of lexicon around being able to talk about what you're feeling and what you're going through I don't know I guess it's just like god like just over the years just writing more and more and and generally just you know reading a lot like I read currently maybe a book every two weeks. And so once you start to like, wow, I don't know how I do it, to be honest, but I absolutely love reading. I feel like my language has come from all of those conversations and all of those books I've read. And I've gone, I like this. I'm going to keep this. Oh, I like that conversation. I like how they phrase that. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep this. And I've essentially built my own toolbox. And sometimes like it takes weeks for me to even process how I'm feeling. Like sometimes like, and I talk to my partner, Megan, and she asked me what wrong what's wrong I'm like I genuinely don't know like I just don't know I need more time to process it and sometimes just writing it even if no one's ever going to see it and even if it's just like it's fucking terrible with all the grammar mistakes and like certain words don't even make sense this it's just about the practice of it I feel like if you don't get into the habit of trying to talk about how you feel then it's never it's never gonna happen like I definitely, I mean, I love journaling and I always used to say journaling feels like trapping thoughts on a page Mm. of like, it can feel so loud in your head sometimes and to actually, like, you know, it's like catching uh, fireflies in a jar. Like, it's like, nope, like, stay in there. Like, you're trapped now. (laughs) You can't harm me. And and it's also just, yeah, it's helping you process how you're feeling when you're not even sure yet because the thoughts are so present. And also, I think as well, it helps because it's like, I go to therapy, I go to therapy every two weeks. And having those notes to then go back to my therapist and be like, this is how I felt. This is, this is, can you help me make sense of this? And she's very good at that where she's like, you know, I think getting it when it's most raw is also important because it's like the memory of it fades and then, you know, it, 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 you get, you just lose the information. And so it's like writing it down. And also as a writer in the back of my head, my brain is going, we're going to use this at a later date. So. <laughs> it, um, 100, everything's copied. You know I mean? Absolutely everything is copied. Everything is copied. So it's like, <laughs> the part of me is like, yes, this is going to make excellent content, but also let's process this. Well, no, but what's nice is it will make 
content that will help people. I think it's how I always see it of like, when I'm like, okay, I'm writing down something really painful now, but maybe in a couple of years when I look back on this, I'll be able to make it into something useful and beautiful for other people. And it, yeah, it's, we're on the same page. <laughs>
it's that direct conflict of like in some media trans people are suddenly getting a lot more representation yeah. and it's positive but it's like what does that mean in the grand scheme of things of like trans people struggle with healthcare like there is so much there's so much shit that trans people have to deal with no it's that's a really good answer so i know you've done work within the with like within the fashion industry and and been part of that representation and i think particularly for a trans man i think you are part of that that representation i feel like maybe we have more representation for trans women um mm. particularly yeah. in, in fashion spaces advertising spaces um perhaps um and i'm just really curious as to how what that experience has been like for you did you feel welcome within the fashion industry how what was the experience like and what did it feel being part of that oh big question it's weird because they really ask me about this anymore because uh -huh. I don't really classify myself as a model, but we'll go for it. So I started out modeling when I was 18. And literally the only reason why I did it was because I was like, models look like they're confident and I want to be confident. Mm. That was it. I didn't want to be a model. I didn't care. I, their lifestyle looked great. They looked like they were having a fun time. They got loads of free shit. I was like, why, why would you not want to do this? And so my sister turned around and she found this agency and she said, you should talk to them. And essentially at the time they, they was, they represented quirky models. So like most tattooed man in the world, women with the most piercings, they were very known for that. And so I joined a very weird and wonderful board of models and it was a fucking great time. And um, so as I started to, to, to go into modeling, basically what ended up happening was I was just getting booked for things for being trans. Like I, I never got to do generic modeling. And so I started to feel like this, the, a token, like you're only wanting to use me as a model when it comes to like trans related stuff. And also like, I do want to do that, but sometimes I just want to be an econ model. Like, why can't I just be a regular model too? And so having that conversation with that agency, like it just wasn't working out. And it wasn't, and I realized at the time I kind of, I blamed them, but it wasn't, it was the industry like the industry just wasn't willing to book me basically that's what was happening as well as the fact that I'm like a short five foot five and male models are meant to be six foot and above and so I was already kind of that was already I was already like working up against the grain in that sense um so yeah it was it was it was really difficult and I think what you're saying is very true like there was definitely a lot more like trans women like they have the long legs they have the cheekbones like they look fucking fabulous like damn right they should be modeling um and trans men tend to look a bit more feminine and I think that's where the modeling agencies were just a bit like oh well they don't quote unquote look like a guy so we're not interested and also around that time so you're talking about mm -hmm. six years ago companies were scared of being trans inclusive because they were scared of the backlash that would happen from including a trans person and so they didn't want to do it and so it was just this consistent uphill battle that I felt like I'm not going to win and so I kind of shifted what I was doing. So I moved to being more of an advocate. And obviously with an ad advocacy, like you do modeling, like that's a part of it. And when I started to take that approach, the game changed, the game completely changed. Like I did, I walked a catwalk for a brand called DB Burden, loved it, walked for Giacomo, loved it. I walked on water. Do you know how hard it is to walk on water? What? <laughs> It was, uh, yeah. I don't know how you go about doing that. I don't even know. <laughs> Are you Jesus? It was so cool. I signed to my new modern agency at the time. And they were like, right, you're going to work with Jacobo and you're walking on water. And I was like, for my first job. <laughs> Are you serious? 
Like they had to put these little like sticky things on your feet so that you wouldn't slip when you walked. And it was the first time that they ever practiced it. And you literally had a day to learn how to walk on water and not slip and still manage to look sexy while doing so. And it, it was an absolute mess and I loved every moment of it. I can't even imagine, like, cause also just, I've only walked down a runway once and it was the most terrifying experience of my life. And I felt like I was like, I'm walking all wrong. So today you do that slippy, you've got like stickers on your feet. I'm like, I'm in awe, yeah. I'm truly, that's, that's very impressive. All of us were like, right, the first guy to drop, that's it. Like that's what we were all saying to each other, they're like, Everybody be careful. Anyways, none of us dropped. It was an excellent walk show. It was it was streamed. It was so good. I had so much fun. My walk was a bit funny, but obviously it's because I didn't want to die when I slipped. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody walked a bit funny, but it was excellent. Um, and so yeah, I just I ended up doing like really wonderful things. I think the the job that got some like real discussion going was um I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong. John Paul Gutier. Uh-huh. I did an ad for them not too long ago, and their brand is all about like sexy and sophisticated and like I don't know. There's just there's just something so sexy about that brand, right? And yeah, they're very like yes, yeah, yeah literally. And so <laughs> they I did a shoot with them, and it was basically in a boxing ring, um, and it was like very dramatic, and it was just it was so wonderful. The team were lovely. Um, and yeah, the ad came out and I looked fucking great and I felt powerful. I loved the shots. Like it was creative. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. And everybody, I've never had so many congratulations for a job before because like to be like, I don't think transness is ever seen as sexy. You know, it's never seen as desirable. You know, it's always, if it's, if it's ever seen in the like light of sex, it's more like fetish. It's never seen as, oh my God, like he or she, or they, they're hot. Like. And so, yeah, I got so much congratulations of that job. And I feel like in terms of where the industry is going now and like my career, I feel like I'm ready to step back into modeling more because I feel like brands are choosing me because of my representation, because I'm trans, but it's not the only reason. And they truly care about inclusivity versus what it was before, like a tick box exercise. And so it's just for me now about picking the right brands that send the right message that support queer people all year round, work with other marginalized communities as well. And so, yeah, I think it's it's difficult, but you ha- essentially you have to pick the right brands to work with. Um, and like any trans guy that's trying to get into model or any trans person, I think the biggest hurdle is your, is your self-confidence because you're not really confident in the beginning. I don't know many trans people who, you know, because of like, obviously like gender dysphoria isn't, not every trans person experiences it, but most people do. Um, and so, yeah, building the confidence to even, like you said, like walk down a runway, it's a scary experience. Like your heart is doing the most, like you're scared if you're walking funny, if you're walking right. Like I tend to pace really fast mm-hmm. because I just want to get it over and done with. Um, and so, yeah, it's just about being confident, getting, signing with an agency that really has your back and is really going to push you as well, rather than you just then being just like a trans person on, on their board, I think is important. Um, and yeah, just aligning yourself with the right brands. And so the modeling industry is tough um, and it's very narrow anyways, and it just becomes more narrow when you're a trans person. But I think if it's something you really want to do and if you're honest with yourself about can you do it and are you ready for it? Because modeling is hard work. Modeling is hard work. And so, yeah, go for it. Um, but I think that's one of the things that you're probably going to see more of in the upcoming year from me because, yeah, I'm ready. I'm so ready. Let's let's do this. Like, let's yeah, go. Let's, let's see more of you. Well, it's, it's very interesting to me that you said that you got into it in the first place 
as a means of trying to access some more confidence or feel more confident. Mm. And I wonder, and I know you said you're going back into that, but going back into it for, for different reasons. But I wonder mm. what you do now to feel confident and feel good in your body. Good question. Um, I would say a large part of my confidence is honestly from the gym. Like, and I don't, I don't, it's not always connected to how I physically look, but how I feel, like I feel strong, like I feel good. And also I think that like, for me, it's a, it's a pillar of my mental health. Like going to the gym, it's just, it's therapeutic in the sense that it's probably the only time in the day where I don't really look at my phone. It's probably the only time in my day that, you know, I'm kind of like challenging myself really um, in a physical sense. And so, yeah, the gym plays a large part in that. Um, also, like getting all the, the lovely compliments from my my followers about how good I look <laughs> obviously helps. And so that I'm not gonna add, I'm not even gonna lie, that doesn't add to my ego. I fucking love it. I'm there for it. Um it's a nice little boost, isn't 100%, it? hundred percent. Like who doesn't, doesn't bring me hurt. all the compliments? Like yeah. Um and yeah, just kind of reminding myself how far I have come in my own journey and not comparing myself to others, like. I'm so happy with my life today. When I, when I think 10 years ago, I didn't even think this would be possible. I'll be honest, I wasn't even sure if I'd be alive. So never mind like striving, thriving, I always get those words confused. And like doing the most and like being in a situation where I'm such a key part of this like trans community and like I'm really trying my hardest to push representation and just everything that comes with that, like just who I've become today, that, that for me is, the ultimate boost of being like, this was me 10 years ago and this is me today. This is how I feel. This is what I've overcome. And I don't know, there's something about that kind of internal feeling that just radiates outwards to people because you're so confident. People feel it. Like people, I would like to think people feel my presence before we even speak. Like, and it, and it all comes from, it's all me. It's all my inner, like, I've worked to become this man that you see present. No, you really do feel, there's a, such a warmth that radiates off you. Like, the like honestly, like, you really fill a space in the most wonderful way, truly. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Um, I'm just like, they're going to make me teary. Thank you. Um, but no, yeah, I think, yeah, just, yeah, confidence. Confidence from the inside, from the inside. As much as it's all about, like, aesthetics help, yeah, cool. But if I don't feel it on the inside, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna radiate outside so <laughs> it's beautiful that's a beautiful answer um at the Cheltenham Lit Fest we had the pleasure of seeing you I had the pleasure of meeting you for the first time um and it was so wonderful hearing you talk and you opened up about your recent decision to help your sister conceive and I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about that process and what that means for you yeah okay so my my sister has been trying to get pregnant for like a long time like it was like a year at this point um and so she got like a facility test done and basically she had a five to ten percent chance of becoming pregnant by herself and I remember being in there in her living room and just like she wants a baby so much and like just seeing how like this was taking a toll on her like she just this is all she wanted in the world right now and I was like you can have, you can have, you can have my egg. And she was like, what? Like, do you even have eggs? Is that even possible? And I was like, I think so. Like, I don't think it should be a problem, but obviously like we'll talk to a doctor. And she was just like, oh. And she like ignored it and was like, no, like it's not going to happen. It's fine. And then I think it was like two weeks later, like we was on the phone just catching up and she said, are you serious about that? And I was like, kids, of course, like, 
don't be silly. And she was just like, okay, right. Like, how, how do we go from here? Because there's no like studies around these kind of things. Like there's no, you know, there's not many people like trans, trans men that like have children. And also when you, when you start testosterone, it's kind of known as like, quote unquote, the non-reversal point. Like they tell you at that point to get your eggs frozen um, because they don't know how testosterone is going to affect your chance of fertility, basically. And I opted out of that when I was 18 because I was just like so uncomfortable where I was like, no, I just need to transition. I need to do me first before I can worry about all these things. And so, yeah, like I, I spoke to a few of my like trans friends and um, some of them have carried themselves. And I was like, so this is like a thing, like my eggs should be fine. And they were like, yeah, but obviously like go to a doctor and get checked. And so, yeah, I remember calling my GP and being, you know, having that conversation with them and saying, right, you know, I want to basically give my eggs to my sister. And the doctor, bless him, trying his hardest to like understand the context of what is happening. Like he did it really well um, and made it sound like very normal. He was just like, yeah, okay, like it's fine. But essentially what that process means to me um, is that I have to pause testosterone. And so there's a lot of like emotional stuff within that and like anxiety around that of, you know, what I, I didn't deal well with estrogen being my main driving hormone before. And so what is it going to be like now? But I also respect like I'm very much more comfortable in my skin now. Like I've, I've been transitioning for a long time. My mental health is way more stable. And so I feel like I can undergo this. And I said to my sister, like, I kind of wanted to do it anyways because I know that your eggs start to decline when you turn 30. And so I'm 27. And so I was like, it just makes sense to get it done now. And so at the moment, I'm waiting to be referred to like the fertility clinic. And they're like going back and forth with a specialist clinic to understand the best way for me to like basically slowly come off testosterone. Um, and then you'll do like, I think it's not IVF, but it's similar to IVF. So I'll go on all those kind of drugs and we'll do like a blood test to, to like check um my fertility levels sorry I'm not using the right language here but like this is the best way that I can explain it um and then yeah I'll get my eggs taken and my sister will will get to have one of them that's basically the end goal um and I think after that for me I would then want to get um my room removed because that feels like the kind of like final steps of my transition for me and so it's very exciting very scary I don't know what's going to happen um I'm already like right I need to increase therapy because I need like more support mentally. Like my head is already like turning about how am I going to be able to take care of myself in this time? Um, and also not feel like disassociated from my body. Um, and they're like having an amazing partner. And like, I know that she will take care of me. And like my sister, bless my sister. My sister didn't really want me to do it because she was thinking about the, that process for me and coming off testosterone and how that was going to affect me. And so, yeah, I just, I feel ready. Like, I don't know when it's going to happen because it, all of the doctor's timings at the moment are all about this because of COVID. But I just feel like if this doesn't make me the best brother ever, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what does. Um, and <laughs> as much as I'm doing this for my sister, I'm doing it for me. Like, I'm, yeah, I just feel like now is the time. I've always kind of wanted a child. I kind of was like, well, I, you know, I might not be able to biologically have one on my own. That's fine. But now that I know that option's available for me, it just feels like the right thing to do. It's just the most beautifully selfless thing you could do. Like it's so, I was so moved when you were talking about that story at Cheltenham and I was like, you're, you're incredible. You really are. You know, it's, it's a very special thing to do. And I'm so glad that you're putting everything in place to make sure that you know, you're going to be okay. Like having that extra therapy, having that toolbox, having the support from your partner, like the difference that makes. And it's like, 
just to be honest, even hearing someone talk about this, I'm like, you sharing your story. So many other people go, oh, I can do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, and it's, that's something that's possible. And that's so beautiful. Like, that's amazing. I've had so many messages of trans guys. They're like, you could, you can do that. This is a thing. I never knew. I was like, neither did I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, now, but now we're here and it's happening. And um, yeah, I'm trying to, trying to make it a documentary as well. Um, working with some people, hopefully that comes through. But even if it doesn't, I'm going to document it for myself. And I just feel like that kind of content needs to be in the world because, you know, again, with it coming down to healthcare, like the system is set up to not support fertility of trans people. And so I think just knowing that, you, knowing your options and knowing that this is available just brings back some power mm. to us um, and to our legacies. And, you know, we want children too. Like, what the hell? Completely. As is your right. Like, you, you know, if, if it works, like, fuck it, yes. <laughs> like- <laughs> I know. So, no, I'm very, I'm very excited. Um, I don't know, things like this, I love weird and wonderful things. And so this just, just feels like that for me. And I'm excited to see my sister with her baby and go through that process again. I'm excited of knowing that one day I could possibly have my own biological child. Like, that's also exciting for me. And so, yeah, there's just so many pros, like the, the downside of obviously like my how I feel mentally and all those things is a concern, but obviously like the, the end goal outweighs it 10 times. Like there's just, there's so much beauty that can come out of this situation. And even if it doesn't work out and or, you know, I don't have a lot of eggs, I think just knowing that and being like, this is what this is, right, okay cool and you know I make another plan I'll adopt a child like my sister will find somebody else that she gets an egg from that's it's all fine I just think yeah I don't know it just it just feels like the next step it just feels like the right thing you've given yourself permission to try that path and like you know I I wish you all the luck with it like I'm so excited for you and your sister it's a really special thing that you're doing I would love to know how our listeners can support you and what you have lined up in the future. Okay, so I'm going to be one of those dickheads that says I can't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is absolutely a valid answer. Yeah, because I can't really talk about it. Um, But essentially, like, my two of the biggest projects I will classify as as my life's work will be announced next year. Um, And they're both things in which I've been working on for about two years in silence. Um, And, yeah, it's, it's... it's just big I'm so excited like I wish I could tell people I'm just like waiting for like a heads up that I can tell people at this point um but we're not there yet but the way that you can support me is essentially just following me on, on, on Instagram at Kenny Ethan Jones and just waiting for those announcements even if it's just like supporting by you know liking my content sharing my content and also just being there like even dropping me a compliment or just saying hi like I mean and just engaging with a trans person like just just come just join the party, you know, have a great time, like learn something. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. I don't, I don't spread myself too thin with social media. Instagram is enough for me. <laughs> um, yeah, just follow me on Instagram, um, coming on for the journey. It's a great time. And we'll watch out for your huge yes. news next year, which is very, very exciting. Yes. I will, I'll, t- I'll tell you privately. <laughs> <laughs> the second the call ends, you're going to tell us everything, please. <laughs> <laughs> What a lovely chat. Isn't Kenny just a breath of fresh air? I really, really love Kenny. Yeah, and always the way. I think when we turned off the mic, we went on and had another, like, half an hour conversation that we are like, oh, this should all be recorded. But there you no, go. Truly, I, but then we're like, I like the juicy bits just for, I know, you know, I know. for the Patreon, maybe. Who's to yeah. say?
Um, Nadia, I would love to know, what is on the menu for today's Knowledge Noodle? Yeah, that's a good question. I thought it would be really nice to talk about something called body image flexibility. So it's not super related to our conversation with Kenny, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot and actually comes up in a lot of our conversations with our guests. Okay, I'm, I'm very interested to know more about this. Tell me about body image flexibility. Okay, so it is a spin-off from psychological flexibility. Are you familiar? Is that something that you're familiar with or shall I talk through? No, it is no. not. I'm okay. not familiar with this. Okay, <laughs> okay. talk me through uh, psychological flexibility. Okay, I'm very so, excited. No, so this is something that it's kind of like a running joke within our team because we're all like, we need to exercise some psychological flexibility in these trying, trying times. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, okay, this seems like a practical one then. Yeah, so that's like all essentially weakness. a teaser of what psychological flexibility is. But Gorgeous. it is defined in the scientific literature as... The ability to fully experience the present moment whilst engaging in behaviour that is consistent with one's chosen values, even when the present moment includes difficult emotions, thoughts, memories or body sensations. So essentially, oh. it's when we accept our own thoughts and emotions and act on long term values rather than being reactive to particularly negative thoughts and feelings. Wow, that's really important. I mean, that's such an interesting term and it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of I don't I'm so worried I'm gonna get this wrong but it's almost like being able to take a step outside of yourself seeing how far you've come almost and applying all the things you've learned and being present in the moment at the same time it's a lot it's a lot yeah and as, as you say it's one of those things that kind of makes sense and people have like cleverly put a name onto it so then and I think that's when you can then harness something or like teach something a little bit more concretely but as I say it's something that particularly during this pandemic we've as a team have been saying a lot as being like we're in these very trying testing times it feels so difficult to do anything but we still need to get this like project done or whatever yeah. like and we still want to like push through and get this done so rather than being like when your thoughts and feelings are like we need to give up <laughs> right now <laughs> You're like, oh, no, Which no, is no. like, oh, my God, yeah. My brain loves to shout that at me. Like, yeah. quit, just stop. It's like the tomato, <laughs> tomato, boo. <laughs> You're like, shut up. But I could, no, I think the psychological flexibility kind of feels like applying all of the growth that you've had throughout your life and being like, no, we don't act based on old reactions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it could be old reactions or just those like gut reactions sometimes where you're like, uh, you know abort abort this whole yeah, situation because like, it feels uncomfortable yeah. or whatever so there's yeah. plenty of research that indicates that psychological flexibility is associated with positive well-being and increasing psychological flexibility is an important aim of acceptance and commitment therapy or training so as an intervention acceptance and commitment therapy or training is associated with positive well-being outcomes such as decreased stress decreased depressive symptoms and anxiety and so on so um, essentially psychological flexibility is a, is a good thing to have and also it's something yeah. it's it's something that you can learn which I think is important like you can learn that so is it similar to the things we've spoken about of breaking thought patterns essentially of, yeah like it feels very similar of like nipping thoughts in the bud and go and, and being able to separate yourself from your thoughts going I am not my thoughts I am just the observer of my thoughts that's um, definitely a facet of it for sure. sure so yeah so that's it so then Body image flexibility, as I say, is a spin-off of psychological flexibility. And it's a f and body image flexibility is a facet of positive body image as defined in the scientific literature. So this is a bit of a side note, but it's probably worth emphasizing that 
positive body image when we're talking about it in like body image research spaces is not just thinking that you look hot and that's the end of it obviously it's what? good if you think you, <laughs> but I mean obviously it's a good thing if you <laughs> if you uh if you think you look hot or beautiful or attractive or whatever like that's definitely like that's a good thing um but it's just not the entirety of what positive body image is to me the, like thinking you look hot is what I would call body satisfaction so you've you're high yes. on body satisfaction if you think you look hot like great and positive body image also incidentally is not just the absence of negative body image so we've had this like kind of new mm-hmm. attention to positive body image in like the body image research space so researchers studying body image conceptualize positive body image as being a holistic multifaceted construct to include things like body appreciation body functionality so functionality appreciation like appreciating what your body can do body acceptance regardless of how you might reflect societal appearance standards and body image flexibility among other things so it's a lot gentler than how social media's interpretation of positive body image might allow you to believe so that's a bit of a side note no i think that's really important though because i think uh, the concept of body uh, positive body image if you're not fully clear on it of like you said it's a more holistic much more broken down thing which can be really changeable whereas i think people see positive body image as a state that you achieve and then stay in for the rest of your life which of course as we know from many conversations that's not the case you know your body image the way you feel about yourself can shift in 10 minutes if someone says the wrong thing around you so it's you know it's about being mindful of all of the facets that contribute to positive body image yes and that's a really good segue to get into understanding what body image flexibility is more because what body image flexibility is is the ability for individuals to openly experience and this is the like textbook definition Sorry, not sorry, but like this is like it's the ability of an individual to openly experience thoughts and feelings about the body without acting on them or making efforts to avoid or change them. So mm. people who are high on body image flexibility or perhaps well practiced in body image flexibility, because again, it's not an innate thing. It is something that we can learn. So people who are high on body image flexibility are able to behave in ways that are aligned to their core values, even when confronted with quote body image related threats so as an example you could be scrolling on instagram looking solely at pictures of people who um reflect a very narrow appearance ideal you can notice that you're feeling worse about your body you can notice that you're feeling bad about your body that you and have thoughts that you should change your body you should maybe change how you're Mm. eating or whatever you can notice all of these thoughts and and still continue to look after care and nourish your body and live your full happy big life in spite of those thoughts and feelings because of that bigger picture value and respect for your body perhaps a respect for your well-being in general or like it could be any of those things right but it's that bigger picture so having those negative thoughts around your body noticing them but not acting on them What I like about this is that it's kind of going, it's completely normal to have thoughts along your journey of trying to figure out your relationship with your body that may be thoughts that, I I think earlier in my journey of learning to kind of like my body and trying to work on my positive body image, I think I definitely was like, I'm a failure if I have a negative thought about my body. And you're not. It's really normal. Of course it is. Those thoughts just don't disappear. And it's about distancing yourself from those thoughts and going I'm observing these these are just things and I can ignore them and continue on the path I'm on yeah but that's completely it and that's such a good point because I think so many people feel that way feel that they failed Mm. 
having a like having a positive body image or having a better body image or a better relationship with their bodies because they have still have these negative thoughts and feelings i think because of the society we live in we are going to have negative thoughts and feelings they are gonna like pop up like they are gonna come on and like that i feel like i definitely relate to that i think a lot of people who would say that they have generally a positive body image I don't think anyone was like, I've never, ever had a negative thought or feeling in my life, you know, or like, right. I don't. Like, it, it comes up, but it's knowing that those thoughts and feelings aren't necessarily true. No, but that your thoughts don't define you. You can have a negative thought about yourself or your body, and it doesn't define you. It doesn't mean you've slipped back. Progress isn't linear, and you are still on your journey. Like, I think, it. to me, I almost see thoughts like that as intrusive. Like, I'm like, nobody asked you to be here. <laughs> yeah, you well, that's... Up. <laughs> And that's it. And I think with, I think that's why it's really important that we've got this body image flexibility under this big umbrella of positive body image, because actually Mm. part of having a positive body image is being able to like, see that you have negative thoughts sometimes, but actually not act on them and be like, you know what? Yeah. And not judge yourself at the same time for it and go, I'm human. It's fine. This is fascinating. I'm loving this. So is there a lot of research on body image flexibility? So this is definitely a growing area of research. So in this like area of like positive body image, there has been this like increased interest, I'd say over the last mm, maybe like 15, 20 years now. I don't know when it maybe started. I think from like 2005, like looking at positive body image in more depth and like conceptualizing positive body image a lot more. But a lot of the work that's been done has been really focused on body appreciation, which is a fa- one of those facets of positive body image. And I mm. think now more recently there has been increased focus on these other facets of positive body image so I think we're going to be hearing or reading a lot more about body image flexibility over the coming years so I was having a look and so back in 2013 Dr Emily Sandos and colleagues published a scale on body image flexibility so how do we measure body image flexibility in psychological studies and this has been like a cornerstone to a lot of the work that has been published on body image flexibility because we need to be able to measure something to be able to say what it does or like how it what it's associated with i would love if you could show me this uh body image scale on the patreon yeah i can like talk and, you through the whole talk, thing talk because i actually it. i actually have a lot i'd love to see it yeah i actually have a lot to say about it i think it's really interesting like i'll give you one snippet for now as a bit of a tease but oh, like one tease but if you want more yeah you know where to find it yeah so like one example question on this scale is my relationship would be better if my body weight on shape didn't bother me. So this is like the opposite of body image flexibility. So someone who is high on body image flexibility would respond to that item on that scale by saying, hmm, that's never true of me or that's very seldom true of me because I don't... Because your relationship has nothing to do with your body. Yeah, it kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, my relationship, your, your, your relationship with others. Yeah, with your friends and family and colleagues and peers etc yeah so shouldn't have anything to do with your body yes but obviously it's not always as simple as that no no complicated and as i say so much more to talk about but just to give you a bit of an overview so there's been quite a few cross-sectional studies now that have found those associations between body image flexibility and lower disordered eating and general like um like depressive symptoms um and so there was a paper published last year led by dr jake lenarden in australia so he's like a big like he does loads of meta-analyses and i think we've spoken about this on the in like knowledge before it's like when you pull the studies together and um, so i think that's his like good like 
key thing. But anyway, he published this meta-analysis last year along with a, a bunch of other people and looked at 56 studies on body image flexibility and found that body image flexibility was associated with lower levels of disordered eating, lower levels of body image problems and lower levels of like psychopathology, which is like very fancy way of saying like depressive symptoms or anxiety, I, yeah. I imagine, um, without looking at the paper again. And they also found that body image flexibility was consistently associated with higher levels of positive psychological constructs, such as higher self-esteem and life satisfaction. So essentially, it's a very interesting facet of positive body image, something that we want to get into a little bit more. I, yeah, as I, I say... We'll use a bit more of this um, uh, psychological flexibility. Yeah, and I think the takeaway is as you were saying before, that you're not a failure if you have negative thoughts or feelings about your body. Like that's, you haven't undone, you haven't unraveled all of your body image work if if a, if a negative thought comes in. No, exactly. I've like, I think it to, it, to me, it feeds into toxic positivity of like, mm. if you are on, if you have gotten to this point of 100% loving your body, which no one has, it's this idea of like you would never have a single negative thought about yourself in your mind again you'd never compare yourself to anyone again it's like it's just not realistic we're all humans we were all raised in the same world we don't live in a vacuum and it's like you're not a failure you are not a failure you're human um it's so important to remember that and yeah I do really think of I do think of things like thought negative thoughts about my body when they come into my head which they do because I'm a person I'm like they, they do feel very intrusive it's like it's like it's coming from an outside source and mm-hmm. I think that's because I've gotten to a point of practicing body image flexibility without even realizing it of like you know you can get to a place where you've distanced yourself from your thoughts enough where you're able to look at them and not you know it you it can feel really overwhelming at first but you are able to step outside of that yes that and sense. you're not and you're not acting on them in in a way where you're like oh okay because I'm having these negative negative thoughts I need to do x y and z or I need to exactly remove myself from social situations because people are not going to like me because of my body or all of these things that we are kind of taught to believe yeah so it's amazing if you were able to recognize a thought about your body that's maybe not the nicest and then get on with your day as normal you are a champion in my eyes we are very proud of you over here at the body protest Nadia thank you for that gorgeous noodle wonderful love you so much (laughs) lovely thank you so much honey Thank you so much for listening to the Body Protest podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and it would mean the world to us if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. You know what to do. And if you're left wanting more, why not check out our new Patreon for some exclusive bonus content. You can now also drop us an email at thebodyprotest at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by the sensational Daisy Grant and our dreamy music is by Eve Garland. And our new Knowledge Noodle jingle is by Zane Morris.